This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. So my wife and I were talking recently and realized that this is actually the 17th year uh, we have been part of this church family. Uh, it's hard to imagine what that's been like or what like, that, that's been that long, but we were 17 years ago. Uh, we were just moving back to this area. We were moving here uh, from Charlottesville, Virginia, and we moved here because I was working in software for IBM uh, and she was uh, looking to teach. And so this became the place that we, uh, we came, we got married and we found a home here and we began to look for a church. And uh, we did what a lot of young couples do. We began to look uh, to find a church home where we could connect. And so we began to bounce around and visited church after church in this area and ultimately landed here uh, around this time of the year where we were uh, you know, sort of trying to find a place authentically that we could connect with. And we were, we were here in the fall. We kind of made it through January and, and began to look for a way to stay connected. And uh, the church at the time published something much like our ministry directory today. And we found a way to connect. We found a co-ed softball team. And we were like, this would be a great way uh, for us to meet new people. Uh, my wife was really good at softball. Uh, I also played and so we thought this would be great for us to go and connect with folks and to uh, find some people to just play together, to laugh together, maybe meet some folks in the church uh, together. And so we began to play. We played that spring. I had a great time. We loved it. Uh, made some great friends uh, who to this day uh, we still have relationship with. And then we, that summer, we moved to Morrisville, uh, to, a, to a townhouse in Morrisville. Uh, I was a little closer to work and it just worked out that we were in that area. And so we began to look uh, for a church a little closer to our townhouse. And so uh, we didn't want to drive 15 to 20 minutes every morning, so we stayed out there. We bounced around from church to church that fall, uh, trying to find something a little closer to home. And that next January, uh, the softball coach actually called us, and he said, Tim, I really, uh, I really want you to come play softball with us uh, this spring. And what he meant was, I really want Aaron to come, and if you want to come, that's fine too. But he said, I want you to come play softball with us, and would you come? And I said, I said Dave, you know, we haven't been there in several months. You know, we've been looking for a church closer to home, and uh, so we just haven't been in church. And he said, um, I'm not the preacher. I don't care. <laughs> Your wife's really good at softball. So we really like you to, to come play with us. And so he, he asked us to come play. And so we said, well, Dave, uh, you know, we, we don't go there right now. We feel a little bit guilty playing softball for that team if, uh, if we don't attend. He says, well, I'll make a deal with you. Uh, if you guys come twice to church during the softball season, uh, we'll, continue, we'll consider you regular attenders. And therefore, you are eligible to play softball. And that's all that matters, really. And so we did. Uh, we started coming back that spring. We, we attended that next Sunday. Uh, and once again, just sort of fell in love with the people uh, and the place uh, that was this church family. Uh, we felt welcome to this place. We felt a connection and relationship in this place. Uh, and, and a lot because someone invited us uh, to experience something uh, with this community uh, that, that really you know, gave us joy and built relationships. And we found in this place uh, a, a, a people that authentically loved God, that authentically loved other people, and really wanted their faith to matter, not just inside these walls, uh, but in this world. And I'll tell you at the time, you know, we were loosely Methodist. Uh, we had both been baptized Methodist, but I'd actually been confirmed a Lutheran. We went to a Presbyterian church in college and then had sort of bounced around the non-denominational world before we landed here. And so uh, we weren't really sure uh, where we were going to land. I, I like to tell people I'm a theological mutt. I just have all these different voices in my mind. Uh, and yet we were invited to experience something uh, differently. And I'll and I tell you, uh, because we said yes to the invitation, it certainly has changed the trajectory of our lives. About around 2005, I experienced my call to ministry here. Uh, and, and really experience what it would look like to begin to imagine 
of what it might be to be a pastor. I mean, at the time, I was developing software. That was what I was doing. My wife had married a software developer, not a pastor. Uh, she made that clear. And, and yet, God was calling each of us uh, to consider a different imagination. And so it was out of this place that we uh, so started to seek that, started to seek where God might be leading us. It landed me at Duke for three years, from 2005 to 2008, uh, as, we, as I sort of journeyed semester by semester. I met Laura Fine Ledford and se- several other folks while I was there that had become a great friends of ours uh, and, and really started to experience a, a, new, a new call there too that ultimately led me back here. The, the bishop uh, appointed us back here, which is abnormal uh, in Methodism, uh, but the bishop at the time thought it'd be great for us to come and, and serve a local church plant that ultimately, ultimately became the peak. And so the peak was the first place we served. And I've had two other appointments that have both kept me here. Uh, I like to say that the bishop doesn't trust me anywhere else, and so she's kept me here because y'all have contained me so far. Um, but, she, the, but they have kept me here to serve this church family, and it has just been a place where we continue uh, to find people who welcome others well, who love God, who love people, and who still authentically desire for our faith to matter, uh, not just inside these walls, uh, but in the world. And I will tell you, it's, it's that power of invitation and how we respond to invitation that, that ultimately can decide so much about how our lives move, about the relationships that we make, about the jobs we take, about the communities in which we live, the churches where we find a home. It's that we are invited and we choose how we're going to respond uh, to that, that, that really does steer that trajectory. Uh, for Jesus, uh, Jesus did this all the time in Scripture. And we find so many places where Jesus is constantly making an invitation to people. He's challenging people to see life differently. He's challenging them to see uh, their journey differently, to consider their vocation differently, to consider their place among others differently. And you see people choose either to follow Jesus or not, and, and how those choices really do begin to change their lives. Uh, one of my favorite stories of that is actually in John's Gospel. Some of us you to turn with me this morning uh, to John chapter 1. You can pull up it on your phones or on your devices. The words will be on the screen uh, this morning as well. This is John chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 35. And this is the calling of the first disciples, the first followers of Jesus, uh, as told by John. So hear these words from the gospel. The next day, uh, John, that is John the Baptist, again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, John exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they began to follow Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, Jesus said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to Jesus, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And so he went and first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. And he brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
So Jesus is walking by a group of people, a group of men that was being led by John the baptizer, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, in seeing him walk by, like turns to the people that are following him and, they, and he says to them, look, there's the one you want to follow. Now, I just love this scene in scripture where these guys are like, they're, they're his disciples, they're, being, they're following John, and John says like, at the end of the day, you really don't want to be following me, you want to follow him anyway, why don't you just go follow him? Like, he is way cooler than I am. That's really what it says in scripture. That's, that's the Hebrew, I think. He says, he's like, he's awesome. Go follow Jesus. Jesus is the one you want to follow. And they do. They go to follow him. And then they begin not only to receive that invitation, Jesus says, come and see yourself. But then they extend it to others. I love that in this passage, you see Simon's brother come to him and say, you know, Simon, you've got to come meet this guy. You've got to come see who this is that we have encountered. And this continues. And we'll follow up a little bit later with the rest of the story. But you see that pattern just continue over and over in Scripture where Jesus invites all kinds of people. Jesus invites a fisherman, in this case. Jesus invites a zealots, those who are overly passionate for God. He invites tax collectors. He invites those inside and outside the Jewish community to come and experience what it might mean to follow him. Men, women, you know, tall, small, adults, children, all those to come and experience him. And throughout this New Testament, you see the choices that they make on how to respond to that invitation it begins to shape their imagination, shape their lives, shapes their communities, their vocation, their jobs, their livelihoods uh, throughout uh, this, whole, this whole work. Uh, this morning, I want to share a story of someone in our church. It's a guy named Mark Kayser. Uh, Mark's been part of our church for a long time. And Mark, I will tell you, he's been in and out of the church. Uh, he's had a chance to experience the depth of church. He's walked away from church for a while, come back into church. I wanted to share with you how an invitation has changed the way he connects with this community. Let's watch.
Mark shares a story. He shares a story about two things. One, he, he sort of took a risk himself. He saw something he might want to get involved in, and so he took a risk and, and stepped into a room. And while he was in that room and the Papers with a Purpose uh, card ministry, uh, they welcomed him. He felt welcome in that space and, and welcome to use his gifts, how he saw fit to contribute to the work of the church. And then while he was there, he built relationship. And it's out of relationship, and I think this is what most of us experience, is that really it's out of relationship that we then experience an authentic invitation to something different. And so for Mark, it was someone named Lynn Jones who said, hey, Mark, I see you. I recognize you. I see your gifts and, and how you're looking to be part of this thing. Why don't you come with me to a Sunday school class and then come, be with, come with me to something else? And they began uh, to see through relationship how he was invited uh, to experience more depth in the life of the church. Uh, for Aaron and I, it was a guy named Dave Andrews who made that re- out of relationship, invited us in uh, to the church. Uh, for others, you, you may have names, you may have people that, that, that have invited you, whether it's uh, in work or in, in life or career or in church. It's, it's people through relationship that invites you to experience something, to try something, to take a next step towards something uh, new. And this is how it works in the gospel all the time. We saw it with Simon and Andrew, uh, Simon's brother. We also, if you continue that story, you'll see it again. He comes across a guy named Philip, and Jesus encounters Philip. When he sees Philip, he says, Philip, come and, and, and journey with me. Come follow me. And, and Philip says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to come with you. But then he goes, I need to get somebody else. And so he gets his friend Nathaniel, and he goes to Nathaniel, and there's this great scene in Scripture where he goes to Nathaniel and says, Nathaniel, I want you to come with me and meet this guy, Jesus. He's from Nazareth. You'll love him. And Nathaniel says, what good can come out of Nazareth? He says, Philip, you're crazy. Nothing good has ever come out of Nazareth. And Philip says, Nathaniel, you may not trust Nazareth, but you can trust me. Come with me as we follow this guy, Jesus. It's out of the relationships and the trust that we build that we're able to create space where people are invited to perhaps experience something new. and Their lives might be changed or transformed uh, to, uh, to really encounter all the things that we hope they encounter. The love of Christ, uh, the peace, the hope, the joy, uh, what it means to be part of an extended family where we are all welcomed uh, to know God's love. Uh, Throughout October, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, generosity. It's part of the season of the life of the church where we are going to be sharing uh, two things, really. Uh, We call the series this this fall Generous, which is all around what it means for us to receive God's generosity, uh, both to us and through us. And how God has offered us a generous invitation, and because God has offered us a generous invitation, what it means for us to then go and offer others a generous invitation. And we're going to talk about how we do that both tangibly in the life of the church, but also financially as we give together. I'm going to share another passage. This is actually from Matthew chapter 11. And again, it's Jesus sort of opening up this invitation to each of us. It's Matthew 11, beginning with verse 28. When Jesus talks about this discipleship journey, when he makes this broad invitation to many around him, he says this. He says, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. Uh, when Eugene Peterson summarizes this or paraphrases this in the message, this is what he says. He says, Jesus is really saying these kinds of things. He's saying, are you tired, worn out, uh, burned out on religion? Come to me. 
Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Part of what I've always loved about our church, at our core, we not only remind each other that we're all invited and welcomed into God's family, we also try to create a culture where we are inviting others into this. Uh, The overall mission statement for our church family is this. It's inviting and equipping all to follow Jesus in transforming the world. We always start with inviting. We start with what it means to be an inviting people, to, to reach out, to invite of those to know the love of God. At the Apex Campus, we've named it this way, that we're, we're gonna commit to being a people who welcome all, who love all, and serve all. It starts with creating this culture of welcome, of this culture where we are welcoming, where the same church we experienced 17 years ago is the church we're still fostering and creating now, where people are welcomed into this place, into this extended family, to experience the love of God, to love people well, and to... to practically take that love, not just here, but into the world. So throughout this month, we're going to talk about how we do that. And one way we're going to do that is through, um, through our gifts. And we walked in this morning, hopefully you received an estimate of giving card that looks like this. Uh, we hope this will be a tool for us, uh, a tool in two ways. Uh, one is for our personal journeys. Uh, we believe that generosity, that uh, how we spend and give our money is a personal discipline uh, that's part of our discipleship. And so we want each one of us, uh, each family, to to think through uh, how we are making that personal commitment uh, to invest in God's kingdom work. On the far side of that, you'll see a ladder that looks like this. And this is is intended to simply be a tool for us, a tool for us to to do a self-assessment, to intentionally look and say, you know, where are we? Where are we we in our own generosity? How are we uh, moving towards the generosity we want to be a part of? And so you'll see there at the bottom where it talks about occasionally. Uh, some of us uh, give occasionally. We, we give when we come. If, we, if we're here and have a checkbook or cash on us, we give to the life of the church. And that's a great thing and a wonderful thing. And part of what makes this church who we are is people that are, are giving when they can. Uh, others of us have made an initial step uh, to a committed way of giving, where you filled out a, a pledge card before and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to make an intentional or initial step towards saying, you know, I'm going to give a, a, a certain amount every week or every month uh, to the life of the church that is a predictable amount for us. Other, others of us have made an intentional step where we give proportionally to the life of the church, where we've decided we're going to give 1% or 2% or 4% or 6% or 8% of our annual income uh, to this life that we give together. And that's simply a reflective way for us to say we're going to set aside a part of what we receive uh, for the life of the church. A part of what we hope is happening is that we're growing towards a tithe, that we're growing towards giving 10% or beyond uh, to this shared ministry we do together. But that takes intentional steps to to know where we are and where we'd like to be as we move toward that. Eventually, you may say, I want to give beyond that and give sacrificially or or make plans uh, in your wills or your estates to give beyond your time here, where we continue to see this happen, not just in this generation, uh, but for generations to come. And in doing that, what we hope happens is by taking a moment to prayerfully consider where you are and where you want to be, that we can grow as disciples as followers of Jesus, uh, in our own disciplines of generosity, uh, just like we would in prayer, or just like we were, would in our presence in worship, or in small group life and community, 
or deep relationships that we intentionally move closer to where we feel like God's calling us to be. The other thing this does for us is it helps our leadership. Our leadership is very uh, intentional about how we use the resources we've been trusted with. Our lay leadership teams, our finance team, our steering team uh, works really hard to make sure we plan well and that we plan uh, not just for this year, but for years to come. And so when you make an estimate of giving, it helps our teams build faithful budgets whereby we might live into that fully uh, throughout the year to do all the things that we do together, uh, to worship, uh, to be in mission together, to create partnerships together. And it really does take uh, not just our predictable giving, but uh, these commitments that allow us to plan faithfully and well uh, throughout the year. And so you'll hear a little bit more about that uh, throughout the month. Uh, one thing we're going to ask you all to do is just uh, take, take some time. Uh, you can take these home today, uh, pray through them, look through them, use it as a personal tool. Uh, you can bring it back next week. You can fill it out online. Um, if you're ready today, some of you actually have done this work already and you know what you want to give next year. Uh, you can fill those out. There's baskets in the back today that you can drop those in. Uh, but all our hope is, is that we would be intentional about the work that we do together so we might continue to invest in a kingdom work where all people really do experience the love of God uh, in this place, through our people, and in the world around us. That by our presence here, uh, we are extending the radical hospitality that Jesus offers to each of us. Uh, let me pray for us today. Let's pray. Almighty God, uh, we do give you thanks for this day. We thank you for this church family. We thank you for the ways that you have invited each one of us to be here today, that you've created space for us uh, to worship with each other, uh, to journey with each other, to rejoice together, to suffer together, that you've created space for us to move forward in our own uh, journey of discipleship. Lord, this morning we, we ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us up, that you would challenge us, that you renew us and restore us and and help us to live faithfully into the dreams that you have uh, for each one of us individually and for us collectively as a church. Lord, help us to be a bold and generous people as we seek to do your will in all that we do. In Christ's holy name.